Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. All right. Excellent, guys. So, good morning to everyone. Good morning, Aliupa. Are you guys still Good morning, everyone. Come on. Let's wake up. I know it's a little bit dreary outside, but in the house of the Lord, we are warm. We are ready to go. We are revving. We've got a fire burning inside of us. And so I believe this morning that you're going to be touched in a way that the Holy Spirit can only touch a human being. And I really believe that you're going to be moved in a way that your hearts are going to shift towards the direction that the Lord is calling you to in, the, in your life. And we're in this series called Missional Life, uh, where we are talking about what it means to be on a mission for God, what it means to be a part of His mission. And so uh, every series, every sermon that we preach will always be hinged and anchored to Scripture, right? All the points that we make in Scripture will always be subject uh, to Scripture, right? It's never the other way around. And I believe this morning, as, we, as we're going to hear uh, this morning from myself, uh, out of Romans 10 verses 13 to 15 is the, is the central piece of Scripture that we use within this series and I'm going to be speaking about ambition, uh, will be the kind of the, the title, one word title to my message this morning. But let's just read out of Romans 10, verses 13 to 15. I'm reading out of the NIV over here. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the name if they haven't, have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How can anyone preach unless they are sent? Our mission statement in C3 Malma is this. We exist to bring heaven to earth by seeking God, His presence daily, intentionally following Jesus, and participating in his redemptive mission. Everyone say, participate. Participate in his redemptive mission. Seek, follow, participate. Seek, follow, participate. Friends, we're busy wrapping up this series. Uh, Justin will be wrapping up uh, by conducting the last uh, message on this missional life. Ten-week series It's by far been the longest series that we've had, but it's been great. I've been encouraged by it. And so my prayer, guys, is as you walk away from this, from this, uh, this series, this missional life series, is that you understand that you have a role to play in the mission of God, His redemptive mission. We all have a role to play to participate in what God is doing in the lives of our family, in the lives of our neighbors, in the lives of our work colleagues, but we all have a role to play. We all have a role to play. No one is exempt. And I think it's important to understand this, that we, that we, that we all have a role to play. This, um, this, this, uh, this piece uh, out of, from, I found on the, on the, on the internet, I don't know who, pre- who said it, but preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And you might be conflicted by, by verses uh, 15 over here. Go, how can I, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And you might say, but Matthew, you know that 
It's, it's only you that are, that is preaching. You, you're on the stage. You got the microphone. You're the one who's preaching, who's bringing out a message. But I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you this morning. You all have a role to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to the people in your life. How do you do that? Galatians 5 uh, verses 22 has a, it's not, you guys don't have it at the back, so don't get nervous. Galatians 5.22 speaks about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control will be the sermon that you preach from your life. Preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And, 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 and you know, preaching the good news is Jesus Christ, right? Preaching Jesus and Jesus exemplifies all of these characteristic traits of the fruits of the Spirit. And when we start exemplifying those from our lives, as we exhibit those in our lives, you will see that people will notice something different about you. They will start asking questions in the workplace, but why do you love in the way that you love? Why are you so faithful? Why what, this kindness that you have? What is so different about your life? About your life? And you will have the, the opportunity to testify of Jesus. You will have the opportunity to testify of Jesus. I want to give you a little bit of a short story from my life. And almost 20 years ago, when Christelle and myself were dating, um, I, I took her for the very first time. I took her home. My folks are divorced, so we're at my father's place. We had the summer house next to the ocean. And uh, that first night, uh, Christelle and myself were, were going, going to bed, and uh, we were sleeping in separate rooms and separate beds. We we wanted to uh, hold ourselves from the sexual pleasures that that marriage brings, and I and my father asked me, "But why are you why are you sleeping in a different room? Why are you guys not in the same bed?" And we had a bit of an altercation. We had a bit of exchange of heavy words on this topic, and uh, it, it kind of yeah, it kind of yeah, it led to twenty years later, and, and you know we fast forward twenty years later, uh, we can see that my father till you know in this day, he actually tells other people about Jesus in our life, of what Jesus is doing in our lives, the principles that he sees in our lives. He talks about what God has done through, through saving Christelle. For those who, who missed reading her book, get that online. It's, it's all in the book. Uh, just hearing you know, what the Lord has done in her life about our twins and about Dylan and all the things in our life. My father, I believe he has saved, I've heard he has given his heart to the Lord, but he doesn't ha- hasn't made Lord his, his God and saved or, or at least his Lord over his life. But he testifies of God, of the principles. And I really believe that it's because of the fruit that Christ and myself have been exhibiting throughout our lives that we've been able to preach a sermon to him. We've been able to minister to him without using a lot of words, and it's and we're nothing special other than just being obedient, following God, and and of course I've had times to talk to him, but I haven't been overly preachy towards him, if you know what I mean, and we've just been living a life that's filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's fruits, and that has allowed him to be able to testify to others about our lives and about what God is doing in our lives. So I want to encourage you this morning. So verse fifteen is challenging to you if you feel like, hey, I I just that doesn't resonate with me. I want to encourage you this morning, as John 15 says, abide in the vine, graft yourself into the vine, and when you do so, you will start exhibiting the Spirit's fruit that, uh, that is spoken about in Galatians 5. Church, let's close our eyes this morning and let's just pray, and I just want to commit the service to the Lord. Father, I pray this morning that your, your hand will be upon us as we, as we hear from the Word this morning. 
I pray, Lord, that you will season my words with salt. I pray, Lord, that you will anoint my words. And Lord, I pray that open ears and open hearts will be here this morning to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be preaching a little bit on ambition this morning. When you hear the word ambition, what kind of is the first thing that comes to mind? And you might, you might be kind of distracted by the word, the word ambition because ambition is one of the most dominant values in the culture that we live in today. All right? By the, but the followers of Jesus Christ, you know, you sitting here in this, in this auditorium might be sort of finding it a little bit of a complex issue. Like what, you know, if I think about ambition, what, what comes to mind? How do I, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, how do I become ambitious but still don't conform to the ways the world talks about ambition? James K.A. Smith says it this way, if you keep walking around the phenomenon of ambition, you'll start to note a couple of features. First, the opposite of ambition is not humility. It is sloth, passivity, timidity, and complacency. We sometimes like to comfort ourselves by imagining that the ambitious are prideful, arrogant, so that those of us who never risk, never aspire, never launch out into the deep, in the deep, get to wear this moralizing mantle of humility. But this imagining is play. But this is but this imagining is playing it safe. It isn't humility or humble. The heart, of the, uh, uh, the heart of worldly ambition is to de- desire dominance or, or, or dominating over the other person or other, other parts and, and, and also being recognized in doing so. But as, 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 J- as James K.A. Smith says over here, that the opposite of, of, of ambition is not humility. It's laziness. It's laziness. It's like kind of being a sloth. You know, we watched a, a, a um, Dylan chose a, a, a movie. We do Friday night movies, and he chose a, a, a documentary on sloths. That was what he chose for Friday night. You know, J, you know Jason is into car, uh, sorry, into into elements and, and these other you know, these these dinosaurs and and, and, and Caleb's into cars. But jo, Dylan chose a documentary on sloths. So we watched that on Friday night because we're like, okay, whatever you want to watch, man. And have you seen a sloth movie? He's so slow. And he kind of just reaches out and he's just like, there's just this laziness about them. We're talking about the sanctuary um, and uh, how, they, how they kind of just looked after sloths. Anyway, that was a side note. So C.S. Lewis, he's written a number of these books, Narnia's uh, Chronicle of Narnia, uh, for, for those who have watched some of the movies or read the books, for those who are bookworms, I'm sure Ladea has read the whole series. But I think, you know, this is, you know, this is so, such an important statement from C.S. Lewis. He says, it is not wrong for an actor to want to act his part as well as, as it can possibly be acted, but the wish to have his name in bigger type text than other actors is bad. What we call ambition usually means the wish to be more conspicuous or more successful than anyone else. It is the, com- the competitive element uh, in, in it that is bad. It is perfectly reasonable to want to dance well or, or look nice. But when the dominant wish is to dance better or look nicer than others, when you begin to feel that if the others dance as well as you or look as nice as you, that you would take all the fun out of it. When that is when things are going wrong. Scripture has something to say about this topic as well, too, when it comes to ambition. Uh, I'm reading of James 3, verses uh, 13 to 16. The message version says it so well. I just love how Eugene Peterson has, has captured uh, what is said. Do you want to be counterwise to build a reputation for wisdom? 
Here's what you do. Here's a bit of advice. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not, the, not, not what, you, what you talk that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you, are, uh, that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilishly potting, plotting. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at, everyone's, at, at each other's throats. So James warns us over here not to let domination and recognition become the selfishness that resides within our, our hearts because it's ungodly fruit and it unleashes demonic power. And it's important to know that, you know, a lot of damage is caused in, in church because of this, this kind of unhealthy view of ambition. And that, that kind of unhealthy view of ambition that the world speaks about finds its way and, and, and kind of trickles its way into church. And we become more driven in church to perform for God than to be called by God. And for me, I've realized that that is a key area that we need to be careful of when it comes to ambition. And God's put, us, put something in our hearts to be ambitious. He wants us to achieve things. He wants us to do things. But the motivation behind it is so, so important. I, I don't want, you know, the worldly ambition can taint our view or understanding of, of, of ambition from a Christian perspective. We can easily be trapped in performing for Christ instead of pursuing his heart. The most important thing, church, this morning is to, in the pursuit of Christ's heart above everything else. It is not about performing. If you do EHS, you will learn about this. It's not about doing for Christ. It's all about being with him above everything else. And that is what, is, what we've been called to in this church. This is what our, our holy ambition should be all about, is that we want to be near to Christ. We want to, to pursue his heart more than pursuing and doing things for him. The character that we're going to be focusing on this morning is Nehemiah. Nehemiah is not a prophet. He's not a priest. He's a government official. Right, well, that, that's a letdown for some. Like, oh, wow, I was expecting a prophet or a priest. No, he's, he's a government official. He is the cupbearer. He carries the wine to, to, the, to the king of Babylon, that, that's kind of what he does, right? But he's, he, he's, he's more than that, all right? He's a government official, that's the job, that's what he does, but he's a God-fearing man. And let's just read out of Nehemiah 1, verses 1 to 4, and I'm reading out of NIV. It says, in the month of, of Kislev, uh, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanai, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that it survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For days I mourned, I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah's heart was broken. It was livid. It was in pieces. It was shattered because the walls of Jerusalem were broken. The gates had been burned. People probably were ransacking the city. These, 
these rogue vagabonds just coming in there and just, and just stealing from those that are there, disturbing those that are there, that are trying to say worship God. The temple was in pieces. The, it, it no longer stood in order for people to be at a safe place. Nehemiah had what, was, what would be called is a holy discontent, a holy discontent. He was not satisfied. He, he went onto his knees. He wept. He mourned. He prayed. He fasted. He was not happy with the situation. He had this ambition to rebuild the walls and restore the gates again to their former glory. And he approached the king and he spoke to the king about it. And he even asked the king for, for resources. Wow, what a brave guy. I mean, here, Nehemiah is a, just a regular government official, cupbearer, carrying wine to the king. And here he asks, hey, king, I, I, I've got this burning desire to see the city of Jerusalem, the walls being restored and the gates being rebuilt again. Nehemiah was not in it for himself. If you think about it, just think about it. You know, if you're, if you're the cupbearer, you'll be carrying this beautiful cup, you know, probably made of gold, or filled with, with, with wine and and Nehemiah's chores were probably going down to the, into the cellar, selecting wine from an array of, of these of pots, you know, of, 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 of vast amounts of, of wine. He probably went to the, the chief chef in the kitchen and was doing some wine pairing to make sure that the king was, was well taken care of. He, being a government official, he probably was clothed in beautiful linen clothing. He, he would probably lived in a beautiful house as well, too. He was comfortable. Let's put it this way. He, he was probably very well off, very comfortable. But he was in a place where he had this holy discontent. Like something needs to be done about the situation in Jerusalem. Father, here I am. Send me, was his heart's call. He knew he had to do something about the situation. His motivation was not about himself. His motivation was not about his own comfort because he was comfortable where he was, there in Babylon. I mean, come on, guys. Let's, come on, let's be honest. How awesome would it be to carry a glass of wine to the king, you know, go, you know, probably enjoy some of the meals coming from the king's table. He was probably seated there with the king as well too, enjoying the wine, being dressed in fine linen, going to his comfortable bed, but yet he had this holy discontent. He was motivated by something else. He knew he had to do something. He knew he had to move from where he was and go and do something for God. I'm going to cover three points or three aspects or three elements probably is the best way to put it that would cover and, des and describe this holy discontent. The first one is kingdom's vision. Kingdom's vision. So this component of, of holy ambition is a vision beyond our own personal boundaries, our own needs. Right? So he understood that he had to have this kingdom vision beyond his own personal needs. Nehemiah 1 verses 2 to 3 says that, uh, I'll just again repeat what I said. I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and about Jerusalem. They said to me, though... Those who survived the exile are back in the province, are, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah was, was concerned. He was actively seeking information about things that were outside of himself. He was concerned about things outside of himself. He wasn't troubled about his own situation because there was no trouble where he was. 
drinking wine, enjoying the festivities around the table, going to bed in, in the comfort of his own bed. No, he was concerned about the thing. So he was asking uh, Hanai, his brother, about the scenario. What is going on? Describe to me, visually create a, a mental image in my mind of what Jerusalem looks like today. And he was distort in his heart and in his mind. And he went onto his knees. He mourned. He prayed. He fasted. And he prayed to God. I've got a couple of pictures over here. Uh, behind me, you'll see this is kind of a, a perimeter view of what the, what the, the city wall uh, perimeter looked like. And also you'll see that there's a picture as well, too, of, um, of the wall today, a section of it. And you can see that the wall over there in, in dark uh, ink uh, on the right-hand side is, is, the, is the wall perimeter. Um, and there are the various gates as well, too. You can go to the next one, Marissa. Um, here's also, um, I think, the, I don't know if there is another picture. No, all right. Um, but this is, this is a picture of, of the wall. So it's between three and four kilometers long, right? So that, that's the, uh, that's, and, and also we can see a picture of, hopefully, um, of, of, the, of, of the wall looks like today. If not, it's fine. But it's, it's a whole bunch of, like, big stones packed together, right? You don't have to really imagine too much of that. But that, that's how it looked like. It was a, a section of the wall. So, so really, so if you go back to Nehemiah, you know, he was not about himself. But if you think about modern-day society, modern-day society, I, I call it project self. Project self. It's all about me, myself, and I. All about my needs, my desires, what I want and what I need in this life. And, 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 and it means it's basically a, an inward focus, which I believe is distorted. It's distorted in this life. And... Um, you know, I just realized that the more and more we, we think about and we realize and we see that people are all about themselves. It's about my needs, my career, my, 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 my. You know, it sounds like those, um, it sounds like those seagulls in, in Finding Nemo. My, 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 my. So, so it's like my needs, my. And, and it's kind of like these, this is, you know, it's about me, myself, and I. And I, and I. and I think this is important to realize that Nehemiah just had this, this different focus and as Christians, as I said, we can, you know, this, this, this uh, worldly ambition and my needs and, and my, 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 my can, can easily infiltrate into, into to church life. And a good litmus test, a very good litmus test, and I, I want you guys to test this as well too, for your life to see whether this, this, this worldly ambition has crept into your heart is to test your prayer life. Mmm, yeah, right, Matthew, now you're getting to the good stuff. Test your prayer life. Let's go to the Lord's Prayer. We're going to be doing a series, an eight-week series on the Lord's Prayer coming the beginning of January. I want to get you guys prepared for that because I really believe that prayer is going to be the thing that distinguishes us from just the average. It's going to be the thing that takes us into the future where we see breakthrough taking place in our life. That was an infomercial. But get ready for that. You'll see that the first eight weeks of next year are going to be incredible. Let's go to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our, our debts and, and as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Or does your prayer life sound like this? Deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, give us our daily bread. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, hallowed be your name, our Father who art in heaven. What does your kingdom vision look like? 
Do we normally pray? I'm, I've, I've been guilty of that as well too. Been praying the prayer of selfishness, I call it. I, Lord, give me. Lord, provide for me. Me, Lord. Me, 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 me. So I want to, I want to encourage us, guys. Let's, let's, go, let's, go test, let's go test our prayer life. How do we start our prayer? Is it God first? Is it kingdom first? Father, your will be done. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. These, and and this, is, this is important, guys, that we realize that building our own little castles in life is not going to take us to a place where we see breakthrough in our lives. Seeking God. Jeremiah 15, verse 5. I need to hurry up. I see the time. Who will have plenty? Who will have pity on, on Jerusalem? Who will mourn for you? Who will stop to ask? God is looking for people who care about what he cares for. God is looking for people whose hearts break for what his hearts, for what his heart breaks for. Point number two, crystallization of discontent. The second component of holy ambition is this topic of crystallization of discontent. Belief that things must and should and will change. Is there an awareness of things not being right? Solidifies into a tangible response. The things that are simply not okay. When Nehemiah hears about, when he hears about Jerusalem, he immediately causes a reaction inside of him. Verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down, I wept. For days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to God. A holy, a, a holy ambition was birthed in this place of crystallization, of like, he visually saw it and just realized, Father, this is not okay. This is not okay that the walls of Jerusalem and the gates are still left in rack and ruin. It's not okay. When we hear about the things of this world that are not okay, wars that are taking place, trafficking that takes place, hunger and famine that takes place, many of us can easily be, be dismissed. Oh, okay, I read that article on the internet and in the news. You can become numb to it. You can easily distract yourself, not to have to deal with the emotional anguish and angst of it. But I want to encourage us, guys, to cultivate a, a sense of holy ambition, a, a sitting, uh, sitting on this discontentment and letting it crystallize inside of you. Whatever it is inside of you, whatever has been hap what's happening in this world around you, allow it to crystallize. Allow it to take some kind of response in your life. In the beginning of, of 2022, uh, the war broke out in Ukraine. And this crystallization of discontent occurred inside of me. I spoke to Pastor Quinton, who him and Pastor Susan led this church from before, about going down to Poland, going picking up some people, bringing them to our, our country of safety. And uh, we can bring up that picture of, of us uh, picking up 12 people, two families on the border of, of, uh, of Poland. We drove down, uh, Pastor Quinta, myself, and Rima, we took two minivans, drove down all the way down. Uh, we drove almost 4,500 kilometers in total in five days. We picked up these two families. Justin was there as our support crew in the background, booking hotels for us. Many of you were a part of financial giving, and many of you as well to receive them as we came at the port, either of Trelleborg or Ustara, I can't remember, Trelleborg. 
and took them home to Pastor Quinton's house where they stayed for a number of months. There was a, there was a great sense of crystallization inside of me that I realized I had this holy discontent. I was not happy with the situation. And I, I, I was moved to action. I was drawn to that situation. I, it's like I need to do something physically and practically about the situation. That was me. The Lord put that in my heart to do something about the situation. It could be Aaron, you could be Aaron and Yvonne, where you've taken in a number of, of Ukrainians into their homes as well, to where Gloria still lives with them. There's, you, you can do something about your situation. Our, our ambition will be birthed out of a healthy, healthy place rather than the pursuit of recognition or domination. Nehemiah could not bear the brokenness of this generation anymore. He had to do something about it. Not every holy discontent, guys, has to, in your world, result in the fact that you are responding to war or to brokenness or a broken wall in the case of Ukraine or or what's happening in Gaza at the moment. It could be your colleagues at work. You could have this, this deep desire to see your colleagues Come to the fullness and the knowledge of Christ. It could be that your, your work colleagues are, are in, this, in this kind of dis, dis, destructive relationship where they're, they're just going from one relation to the next. You just see destruction happening from one relation to the next. And you're like, it breaks your heart. It could be breaking your heart for what, for, for what you see in their lives. And you just realize, but that's not okay. This crystallization of discontentment is just simply not okay. It could be that you see trafficking taking place or are aware of it. You're like, no, I want to be involved in that. I want to be in, 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 in there's, there's an organization, Christine Kane has it called A21. You can be involved in that if you feel like I'm not satisfied with the trafficking, human trafficking that's taking place in this world. It could be that you want to be involved in, during Christmas where many people are out on the streets uh, without, without shelter uh, or just, you know, you want to be a part of what Salvation Army does, or Helen Menichwe as well, too. They're doing amazing things. Or even City Hearts as well. Do uh, We're packing shoeboxes for Ukrainian children, children that don't have gifts, that don't have the means to be able to enjoy Christmas as all of us enjoy Christmas, being able to present our children with gifts. Let's, create, let's get a holy discontent, a, 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 a yearning to see, and let our hearts break. What breaks God's heart? Let's seek and desire that in our lives. The third area, radical sacrificial action. Nehemiah felt the, uh, the burden of brokenness. He felt the burden of brokenness. He didn't jump up straight into action when he heard the news. What was the first thing that he did? He wept. He fasted. He mourned. He prayed. We will never have influence if we don't accept responsibility. Nehemiah 6 verses 7, I confess the sins we Israelites, uh, in, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws uh, g- given to, to your servant Moses. And he prayed this prayer, verse 5, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him, and keep his commandments. This was his prayer. After these prayers, we saw Nehemiah, an average government official, take action and bold steps towards radical sacrificial action. Again, guys, he was, he was very 
comfortable in his, in his place. Wine, food, lovely clothing, nice house. He didn't have to do anything, but he was moved to compassion for the city of Jerusalem. He did something, but he first was seeking God. He first prayed the prayer of repentance for himself and for the people and realized why they are in the situation they are in. He realized that radical sacrificial action cannot, you know, cannot be by itself. It needs to be in, uh, it needs to be in concert with, with uh, kingdom vision, with brewing discontent and seeking God. Those three components made up what allowed Nehemiah to move and what created a holy discontent with inside of him. So I'm going to invite the band up at this stage. Holy ambition leads and drives acceleration. Holy ambition leads and drives, acceler- uh, leads and, and drives acceleration towards what God has called you to. We can have ambition and flourish when we are moted by a sense of calling. There's a clear difference, as I mentioned from before. From before. There's, you can be driven for God or you can be called by God. It's important to realize that drive is going to run out of steam very, very quickly because you're doing it on your own strength. We want to see people respond to a call of God. We want to see you respond to a call of God. Gordon MacDonald says it so well. Being called by God, call people value obedience over results. Call people focus on who they are becoming, not just what they're achieving. Call people focus on the day of judgment rather than judging people. Call people celebrate God's work in others without comparing or criticizing them. Called leaders worry about the lives of those they are serving, not about the profile they are growing. Church, if you find yourself confused about how to approach ambition, just look to Jesus. Just look to Jesus. If we think about radical ambition, radical ambition, we have to look no further than Jesus. He's the ultimate example of what it meant to live a good and righteous life towards ambition for God. Called. Jesus was called. He was called to the cross. You can recount him the end of of the book of of Matthew in the Gospels, he was on his knees, hands and knees. For those who've seen the Passion of Christ, you might have a mental picture of this. He was on his hands and knees. The snake was slithering in front of Jesus and he was, sweat and blood was pouring from his forehead and he asked God and he prayed. And he said, God, if at all possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me but not my will, but your will be done. He understood radical sacrificial action. Jesus understood what it meant to radically sacrifice. He understood that he had to go from the comfort of heaven to earth, walk the earth for 33 years, being persecuted and eventually martyred and eventually nailed to the cross. 
so that you and I can be in relationship with God our Father, so that you and I can be in relationship with God our Father, that we can eventually enter the gates of heaven one day. Jesus understood that he has to come out of a place of discomfort or out of comfort into a place of discomfort so that you and I can receive our Father up in heaven as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage us this morning to be asking those questions. And I want us to stand right now. Let's just get ready to praise again this morning. But I want to ask you and leave you with this question. And then, of course, would like to, as usual, and I say usual because this is becoming our new standard. I want people to come forward for prayer. Church, I don't want us to gather here on a Sunday just listening to what I or other preachers have to say and to worship. I, 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 my expectation on a Sunday is that you are radically transformed every single Sunday in a different part of your heart. That is what I seek and desire to see take place. I want us to leave here differently from the way that we entered through those doors this morning. And again, I, that's why I want to emphasize prayer. Nothing, absolutely nothing can happen without prayer. Asking God to change our hearts in the area that we desire and seek more of. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you this morning, I want to ask you this question. What, what, is, <clears throat> what, what radical sacrificial action will you be taking today? What breaks your heart and what breaks God's heart? What are the things that should be breaking your heart? What radical sacrificial action will you be taking today? What are you moved by? What are you moved by? What, is the, what are the emotions that, that sit within you that once you've crystallized them and you've realized, but that's actually not okay. That is actually not okay that it continues in this way. And I need to do something about it. I can't just sit there on a Sunday or during the week and just accept the fact that things are just continuing to happen that are not okay. Things that breaks God's heart should be breaking your heart as well too. As every eye is closed this morning, as, we, as we, we start to sing this morning, I want you to answer this question, what breaks your heart? And, and you, if you can't come up with something that, that breaks your heart for what breaks God's, I want to come invite you forward this morning and I want to pray for you to get that, that, that sense of desire to, to hear from God about what are the things that should be breaking your heart. Move to action. That's why we're in this series, Mission or Life. We're all on a mission. We all should be ambitious to see God's kingdom come in our lives and the lives of the people around us. We should desire and seek more of that. That's what our heart should desire. So I want us to, to, to worship this morning. As you do so, I want you to come forward and a couple of us will be waiting here praying for you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, Father, for your blessing, your favor and grace to be upon us all the days of our life. Pray for the people here this morning that you will reveal to them, Father, what it is that should be breaking their hearts for what breaks yours. How should we move in holy discontent? How should we, how should we realize, Father, what are the things that we should be realizing, Lord, that we haven't yet realized? Move us to compassion, Father. Praise you all for all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.